this last verse. Are you ready? Come to this fountain so rich and Blood of 
a young preacher appear before a pulpit committee. You know, a pulpit committee is that group that's designed to help a church find its next pastor. And when the young man appeared before the pulpit committee, the chairman of the committee asked, Young man, do you know your Bible? Yes, sir, I believe I know it fairly well, replied the young preacher. Well, the chairman then asked, What part of it do you know best? The young man said, Well, I know it all pretty good. I know the Old Testament and the New Testament. And the chairman responded, Well, why don't you tell us the story of the Good Samaritan? Well, the young preacher said that would be okay, and so he started his little sermonette, if you will. He said, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus who went down to Jericho by night and fell upon stony ground. The thorns choked him until he was half dead. He said, what shall I do? I shall arise and go to my father's house. And he arose and climbed up to a sycamore tree. The next day, Solomon and his wife Gomorrah came by and they carried him down to the ark for Moses to take care of him. As he was going through the eastern gate of the ark, he caught his hair on a limb and hung there for 40 days and 40 nights. He was afterward hungry and the ravens came and fed him. And the next day the three wise men came and carried him down to Nineveh. And when he got there, he found Delilah sitting on the wall and he said, Chunk her down, boys! The men asked, How many times shall we chunk her down? Till seven times? He said, Nay, but until seventy times seven. And so the men chunked her down 490 times and she burst asunder in their midst. They picked up the twelve baskets of the fragments that remain, and in the resurrection, whose wife shall she be? Well, after the young man finished that message, the chairman of the committee looked at the other members. He said, I don't know about you, but I think we ought to call him. I know he's young, but he sure knows his Bible. I don't know who to pity more in that situation. Sometimes we overestimate ourselves just a bit. We think we're smarter. We think we're stronger. We think we bet we're better than we really are. We begin to think that we are indispensable. The world cannot get along without me. We forget the truth that I ran across this past week in my study. Something well worth remembering, and it's this. Cemeteries are full of indispensable people. Mm. Cemeteries are full of indispensable people. So what do we do? Do we get depressed? Do we give up? Do we get self-centered? Do we say, what's the use? No. What we need to do is come to grips with who we are. And we need to make an honest assessment, an honest evaluation about ourselves. We need to exercise sober thinking and we need to be who we are. That is, we need to be the person that God created us to be. Be the person that God wants us to be. Now, we're in Romans chapter 12. I hope you'll find your place there as we continue studying this chapter. And last week in Romans 12, we talked about renewed thinking, how we're supposed to renew our minds. We do that by rejecting the world's message and the world's system and the world's philosophies. And then we're to renew our minds by the Word of God. We're to fill our minds with God's Word and the truth. And then we're to enjoy God's will for our life. That is, we're to enjoy that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. And we're going to pick up where we left off last week because really, as we start verse 3, it builds right upon verse 2. So I want to go back with you, and we'll read the verses 1 and 2 we've already studied. We're going to add 3 through 5 today. Romans 12, beginning at verse 1, reading down through verse 5. 
Romans 12, beginning at verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren. So remember, he's writing to believers here. By the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now today's passage, beginning at verse 3. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Now, beloved, if we're going to be who we are, if you're going to be who you are, you're going to have to honestly take a look at yourself. You're going to have to think about yourself, as the Scripture says, in a sober manner. And as you do, you have to avoid two extremes. Because we have a tendency to go to extremes in our lives, don't we? The first one is mentioned in verse number 3. The first extreme is here. Not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. The first extreme is the extreme of pride. An overestimation of yourself. An overestimation of your abilities and your talents and your gifts. In fact, the word translated there to think soberly. The word there for soberly means to be in one's right mind. In fact, the Greek scholar Robertson says that conceit is treated here as insanity. In other words, it would be insane for you not to make an honest evaluation of yourself. To be living in pride and overestimation of yourself. is to be in one's right mind to think right about yourself. Now that's pretty strong to think about insanity and pride. But we need that. All of us have weaknesses. All of us have things that we do not excel at. And we need to come to grips with those things in our life. We need to be just honest with ourselves. Now a renewed mind, we talked about in verse 2, is a mind shaped by the word of God. And a renewed mind does not lead to pride. A renewed mind leads to humility. And we find here that in verse number 3 of Romans 12, it says that God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. In other words, God is the one who has gifted you. God is the one who has graced you with your abilities. Whether they be natural abilities. Maybe some here today excel in various things physically. Maybe you're great at sports. Or you're great at whatever it may be. God has given you that gift. Whether it's spiritual gifts. We'll talk about spiritual gifts especially next week as we continue studying Romans 12. God is the one that's given you those natural abilities. God's given you those spiritual gifts. God's given you those talents, those things you can do, those things you excel at. God is the one who gave those things to you. Galatians 6.3 says, For if anyone thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. 1 Corinthians 4, 6 and 7. Now these things, brethren, I figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one another against the other. For who makes you differ from one another? And what do you have that you did not receive? 
Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received? In other words, God is the one that's given you everything that you have. God is the one. 1 Corinthians 12, 11. But one of the same Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. And so your body, which was to give us a living sacrifice, verse 1, was given to you by God. You say, well, I'm not as tall as I want, or I'm not as uh, thin as I Whatever it may be, God gave you that body. We're to be good stewards of it, but God gave you that body. God gave you that hair color, if, if that is indeed your hair color. <laughs> Mine is natural. I want you all to know that. It's getting frosty, but it's natural. God is what it's given us. So if you have various physical builds, talents, abilities, spiritual gifts, God gave those to you. So there's no room for pride. It's, oh, look at me. No. It leads to humility. Thank you, God. It leads to gratefulness. You're thankful. Someone said a renewed mind sees everything through mercy colored glasses. I like that. Mercy colored glasses by the mercies of God. So all those good gifts and talents and abilities and spiritual gifts that you have, God gave those to you. So we avoid the extreme of pride, puffed up, oh, I'm somebody. No, we're grateful because God has gifted you. God has graced you. But there's an opposite extreme, not pointing at y'all choir, but there's an opposite extreme, and that's the extreme of self-depreciation. Self-depreciation. Now, I'm not talking about false humility here. Some people suffer from false humility, and actually false humility is a form of pride. Did you know that? You know why? Because somebody says, oh, well, I, I can't do this. And you know why they're saying that? Because they want you to say, oh, yes, you can. You're great at that. See, false humility is a sense and is a form of pride. I'm not talking about false humility. I'm talking about self-depreciation. That is literally believing and denying your abilities, your talents, your spiritual gifts, the things that God has given to you. Remember, we need a sober evaluation. Sober, that is honest thinking. Now listen, it's not prideful to recognize the gifts and the abilities that God has given to you. Let me say that again. It is not prideful to recognize the gifts, abilities, spiritual gifts, the things that God has given you. It's not pride to recognize them. Why? We should recognize them. And then we should be grateful for them. Then we should develop them with God's help. And then we should use them for His glory. In fact, it would be ridiculous not to do so. Uh, Think about the singer Pavarotti for a moment. Now those of you who are above 5th, 6th, 12th grade, you know who Pavarotti was, right? One of the greatest tenors in all the world, in history. If not the greatest, depending on... Who you ask. Now imagine for a moment if Pavarotti, he's dead now, but imagine he were here and we were talking to Pavarotti and Pavarotti says, oh, I can't sing. I can't carry a tune in the bucket. Now, now believe, now, I'm not saying false. I mean, he honestly would say, I cannot sing. What would we say to Pavarotti? You're crazy. What do you mean you can't sing? You're one of the greatest voices of all times. Why? Pavarotti was a singer. Uh... Let me, let me bring it down further. Talk, talk about Derek Jeter for a moment. Derek Jeter, we're here. And Derek Jeter would say, listen, man, I cannot play baseball. I cannot hit. I cannot throw. I cannot play baseball. We'd say, Derek, you're the captain of the New York Yankees. 
What do you mean you can't play baseball? You're a first ballot Hall of Famer when you become eligible. What do you mean you cannot play baseball? You're a baseball player. You're the captain of the New York Yankees. It would be ridiculous. It'd be insane. It'd be crazy for Pavarotti to say, well, I can't sing. And for Derek Jeter to say, I can't play baseball. And it's just as crazy for you to say that you cannot do and are not what God has given to you and made you to be. It's just as crazy. I don't know if that made sense, what I just said, but you know what I mean, right? It'd be just as crazy for you to do the same thing in your life. What, what is needed is not pride, and it's not self-depreciation, but an honest, sober evaluation of your strengths, your weaknesses, and your giftings. Now, you need to remember this, beloved. You cannot be whatever you want to be. We need to stop lying to children and telling them they can be whatever. Honey, you can be whatever you want to be. No, they can't. They cannot. No matter how much I want to be a horse jockey, professional horse jockey, I could never be a professional horse jockey. Can you imagine me? Here they come lining up at the gate. Here I am. I eat meals bigger than those horse jockeys on the other horses. You cannot be whatever you want to be. You need to be what God has created you to be and what God's made you to be. And so we need to say to our kids, you you can be whatever you want. No, you can't. Be what God made you to be. Be what God created you to be. Be honest about it. An honest, sober evaluation. By the way, I have no aspirations to be a horse jockey, just in case you're wondering. Be who you are. That is the person that God created you to be. But there's a second thing here. And that is be the best you you can be. Be the best you you can be. Now, now the question as you hear that is, is that biblical? Because man, that doesn't sound biblical, does it? But let me give you some verses. Is it right to be the best you you can be with the Lord's help? Listen to these verses. Ecclesiastes 9.10 Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you're going. 2 Timothy 2.15 Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 25. Do you not know that those who run in a a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate, that is self-controlled in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Colossians 3.17 And whatever you do in word or deed, that covers it all. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Beloved, be the best you you can be with the Lord's help. If God has gifted you, given you talents, abilities, spiritual gifts, be grateful for them. Develop them and use them in humility. Be the best you you can be. Now, don't miss the rest of the message because somebody might go out of here and say, oh, I'm going to be the best I can be. Listen, there's, there's more to it. Don't miss the next two points. Why should you be the best you you can be? First of all, for the glory of God. Don't miss this. If you leave all this out, then it just becomes what? Pride and arrogance and building up of self. You need to be who you are. That is who God's created you. But why? For God's glory. You hear this verse a lot from me, and I'm sorry, but we need to hear a lot. 1 Corinthians 10.31 Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. 
And so whatever you're doing, do it for God's glory. Colossians 3, 23 and 24. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Why? Verse 24 says, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. And so, beloved, we need to do whatever we do and be the best we can at it for the glory of God. So if God has gifted you with a singing voice, be grateful for it. Recognize it. Develop it. Work on it. And then use it for God's glory. There's nothing wrong, beloved, with developing the gifts that God's given you. Spiritual gifts, natural talents. That's what we ought to do. We ought to work hard at it. For the glory of God. But there's a second thing we find here in this passage. We should also be the best we can be with the Lord's help and use those gifts for the benefit of the body. Now, I'm not talking about your physical body, but I'm talking about the body mentioned here in Romans 12. Look at the passage again, beginning at verse 3. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, so this is for everybody, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, avoid pride, but to think soberly, that is the honest evaluation, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith, that is the ability to do what God's called you to do. Specifically spiritual gifts here, but we're applying it broadly because it applies. Why? Verse 4. For as we have many members in one body... But all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Now listen, just as our physical bodies are made up of many parts. We have eyes and ears and a spleen and blood vessels and toes and teeth and all these various parts. And all those parts make up the whole body. So our physical bodies made up of many parts will make up the whole So we as believers individually are joined together to make up the body of Christ. There's a unity here. Now it's not uniformity. You know, there's a difference between unity and uniformity. Unity means we're all together, we have harmony and peace, and we're working together for the same goal. Uniformity means we all dress exactly alike, we all speak alike. That's a cult. It's not a church. There's unity, but there's individuals who make up this and... Praise the Lord for variety. How boring life would be if all of us were exactly the same. And so we have a unity. All the parts being put together to form the body of Christ. And just as each part of the body has a different function. So we read here that the different parts of the body of Christ gathered here have a different function or different role to play. Now we know broadly speaking that all believers everywhere make up the universal body of Christ. But we're bringing it home here because we're a local body of believers. And so God has placed you in our midst and you're part of this local body of believers, this church, this body of Christ. We all don't have the same function. Now we should all have the same goal. The glory of God, the benefit of the body. But we all don't have the same function. Let me, let me illustrate it again with Pavarotti and Derek Jeter. I want you to picture in your mind's eye that I am with Pavarotti and Derek Jeter in New York City on a beautiful summer night to get the picture. Preacher Rodney, Pavarotti, 
Derek Jeter. All right? We're all at Yankee Stadium. Okay? But we all do not have the same function. Here's how I think that evening would go. It would begin with Pavarotti singing the national anthem. Then, Derek Jeter would run out, take the field, and play shortstop for the New York Yankees. And I'd be in the stands eating a hot dog and peanuts, yelling, Let's go Orioles! (laughs) We're all in the same place. We're all part of the same event, right? But different functions. Now let's, let's change it for a moment. What if Derek Jeter sang the national anthem, I ran out and played shortstop for the Yankees, And Pavarotti merely sat up in the stands eating popcorn and yelling. Wouldn't be quite a great a night in New York, would it? Do you see the difference? So what's happening here? All of us have a different role to play. Now let's bring it here today. All of us have different roles. In the body of Christ, each believer has at least one spiritual gift. You may have more than one. We'll talk more about that next week. But you have at least one spiritual gift. So you not only bring your natural giftings and abilities to the body of Christ, to labor here, but you bring that spiritual gift that God has placed within you. Or even more. And when you don't use your spiritual gift, not only do you suffer the loss of being blessed in that, But you know who else suffers? The body of Christ. Because you're not using the gift that God's given you for the glory of God and the benefit of the body. And so we need you to be the best you you can be. We need you to be who you are, who God has created you to be. And so I believe that God has brought us together here. And God has gifted us in various ways. He's given us what we need to do ministry, but the problem is that many believers, they do not exercise their spiritual gift. And it's kind of like a body part that's not functioning right. When something's not functioning, it impacts the whole body. If I lose the function of my thumb, my whole body's impacted. If something's wrong in the body, the whole thing is impacted. Even something small. You ever had an ingrown toenail? Yeah, ooh. Pray you don't have one. Ooh. You ever had a toothache? When you have that, that little thing impacts the whole body, doesn't it? Now, that'd be a different illustration. That'd be a good illustration for sin. But here's the point. If you have a non-functioning part of the body, the whole body is impacted. And the whole body misses out. And so here's what I'm saying to you, beloved. God, if He's placed you here, if He's called you, if you're part of this local body of believers, He's gifted you as a child of God, you should be exercising your gift in the body. Why? For the glory of God and for the benefit of the body. And when you don't, you miss out on the blessing, and so does the body. And so I'm a real proponent for you finding your spiritual gift and functioning within those gifts. You know why? Because I've watched people try to function outside their gifting. Some are called to teach. Some are not. When you function outside your giftings, it can be real frustrating, not only for you, but for the body. Did you know that? 
And so we need to seek, and we'll talk more about spiritual gifts next week. We need to find what God has gifted us, how God has made us, how God has shaped us, how God wants to use us, and plug in in that area and use it. Now, be who you are. That is the person God created you to be. Be the best you you can be with the Lord's help. For the glory of God and for the benefit of the body. I close with a fictitious article published years ago in the Springfield, Oregon public school newsletter. Once upon a time, the animals decided they should do something meaningful to meet the problems of the new world. So they organized a school. They adopted an activity curriculum of running, climbing, swimming and flying. And to make it easier to administer the curriculum, all the animals took all the subjects. So get in your mind, we've got this animal school here. You've got to use your imagination today, don't you? You've got the preacher at Pavarotti and Derek Jeter and Yankee Stadium. Now we've got an animal school, got an activity curriculum, everybody's going to participate. And the duck was excellent in swimming. In fact, the duck was far better than his instructor. But he made only passing grades in flying and was very poor in running. And since he was so slow in running, he had to drop swimming and stay after school to practice running. Now this caused his webbed feet to be so badly worn, so he became only average in swimming. But average was quite acceptable. So nobody worried about it except the duck. Well, the rabbit in the school started at the top of his class in running. But he soon developed a nervous twitch in his leg muscles because he had so much makeup work in swimming. And then the squirrel came along, and the squirrel was excellent in climbing. But he encountered constant frustration in flying class because his teacher made him start from the ground up instead of from the treetop down. So he developed charley horses from overexertion and only got a C in climbing and a D in running. Well, the eagle was the problem child and was severely disciplined. For being a non-conformist. You know why? Because in climbing classes. He beat all the others to the top of the tree. But he insisted on using his own way. To get there. Moral of the story. Be who you are. Be the best you. You can be. With the Lord's help. Why? For the glory of God. For the benefit of the body. And I, there, add a third one. For the blessing it will be to you personally. Why? Because when you can function and do and be who and what God has created you to be, there's a great joy. Think about the great runner, Eric Liddell. You maybe remember Chariots of Fire. Remember reading one time about him telling his sister that when he ran, that God created him to run and run fast. And he was a fast runner. He felt the joy of the Lord. Beloved, be who you are. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today from Romans 12. Help us to be sober in our thinking. To really look at ourselves and be honest. Lord, to look at how you've made us, how you've shaped us, how you've molded us, how you've gifted us. Both physically and spiritually. Lord, help us not to be proud and help us not to be self-depreciating, but help us to be grateful, to be humble, and to be useful. Lord, first of all, for your honor and your glory. 
Lord, secondly, for the benefit of the body. And then, Lord, I thank you for that last thought we had. And that is for our own joy and enjoyment as we function as the person you've called us to be. I thank you for these men and women, young people that are before us today. And I pray as we have this invitation time that you would work in hearts and lives. Your will be done. Would you keep your eyes closed and your head bowed? And I wonder today, what is God speaking to you about? Maybe some here today need to be saved. You're not part of the brethren and sisters as we talked about there. Why not today turn from your sin and place your faith in Christ? We sing this closing hymn. Just come down and let me know you'd like to be saved. And I'll place you with someone who loves Jesus and loves you. They'll take a Bible and lead you to Jesus. Others here, maybe you know Jesus, but you've never followed Him in believer's baptism. Why not? That's the first step of obedience. Maybe you'd come today and say, Preacher, I need to be baptized. We'll arrange a time for that to happen. Some here today, you've been here a long time. You may maybe even faith, more faithful than a lot of our members, but you're not a member and God's led you here. God wants you here. Why don't you come today? Let me know that and we'll arrange a time for you to join this church. Others, maybe you're here today and God spoke to your heart about what we looked at. Maybe you are so frustrated and so aggravated because you're trying to go a path that goes against God's will for your life. Why don't you surrender today? Say, Lord, I want to be who you created me to be. I want to be the man, the woman, the young person that you desire. I want my life to count for Christ. I I want to glorify you. I want to benefit the body. I want to know the joy of living a life that brings pleasure to you. Maybe today you need to come and talk to the Lord about that. Now, Father, I pray that you'll take charge of this invitation. Do what only you can do. Holy Spirit, have your will in this place, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Our closing hymn, number 412. My faith has found a resting place and the altar is open today. The invitation is wide open. Whatever the need may be, I'll be down here at the front. We'd love to help you. Love you to come and pray. Whatever the need may be today, you know what it is in your own life. You come as we sing, My faith has found a resting place, not in device nor creed. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that He died for me. 412, let's stand and sing. You come today. Um.